everybody. I'm Jim Ford. I'm Dan Kersky. And I'm Chad Bokelman. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 87. You sure it's 87? I'm sure it's 87. I don't care. Good. That's why you asked. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so for this episode... Oh, we have a jam-packed episode here. Yeah. What do you want to do first? you want to do the issue or the topic? Uh, let's do the issue first. Alright, this this is your baby. Why don't you tell people what the hell's going on? Yeah, okay, so, as the Lantern cast, I, I've been thinking that we should probably try and focus on some back issues now and again, especially after we kind of, you know, have caught up a bit with uh, the current issues. So, for this I- episode, I decided, oh, okay, Dan's got a topic, so we'll talk about that, you know, in the second half of the episode. But for the first half... Let's review a random Green Lantern issue from the past. So I determined how many number, you know, how many ish, epis, uh, nah, issues there were of Green Lantern from the second series, the third series, and the fourth series. Um, took into effect the DC one million and zero issue from the third series, and put that number into a random number generator, and it came up with number two hundred six. So, 206 from the beginning would be uh, Green Lantern, second series, number 206. It's the Black Hand versus Kilowog. A.K.A. the Bitch Slap Issue. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad someone else said that. <laughs> <laughs> that would be aptly named. Okay, so <laughs> this this is uh, by Steve Engelhart and... Um, is it Mark Farmer on pencils? No. Joe Staten? Ah, yes. Joe Staten. Okay. Mark very, Farmer on inks. Very no. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I was looking at the cover and... Okay, there he is. There we go. I didn't notice the Staten at first. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... Uh, I don't know. You want to... Who wants to review this? Well, I don't have... I don't, I don't, I don't have the physical issue, so I can't really do it correctly. <laughs> Okay. I'll, I could do it, Dan, unless you want to. No, 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 no. You go ahead. <laughs> okay. Uh, now, one of the downsides to picking a completely random issue is I'm pretty sure this is a continuation from last last issue's battle. Yeah. Um, as, I what? I don't think that really matters, though. No, no, I don't think it does either. But, um, I mean, like, it's definitely the continuation of something. Every comic is a continuation of something, unless it's the first issue. That's deep. Okay. And <laughs> so, in this issue, um, it starts off with Hal Jordan and Aresia. They've fallen down a mine shaft, or more aptly, they've been pushed down a mine shaft by Black Hand. And uh, their powers have been completely drained by the Black Hand's device. You know, Aresia, she's, like, starting to freak out a little, and <laughs> Al Jordan has to slap her to bring her back to reality. Then uh, we switch over. We have Black Hand, who is speaking in almost nothing but cliches. He's going after a, a whole bunch of Green Lanterns that happen to be on Earth. You have Jon Stewart, Katmatui, Kilowog, um, Salak, uh, and Chip, is that is that it? That's everybody, I think. I think that's it. 
Yeah, they're, uh, they know that Black Hand is, is around and they have to stop him. But, uh, they're also dealing with a nosy reporter that's trying to expose them because, you know, they don't think she likes aliens or it could possibly be because she has, uh, some sort of unrequited love for Jon Stewart. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, she, she comes knocking at their door being real pushy and, Kilowog completely bitch slaps her, sends her flying. Um, but yeah, her camera isn't working thanks to Jon Stewart's green energy. Uh, so also in this issue, we find out that Aresia has subconsciously used her ring to become older, both physically and mentally, apparently. Um, so now she's no longer a girl, she's a woman. That happens... Uh, either here or the last issue. So yeah, so that's that's interesting. So now she's like kind of hitting on Hal Jordan pretty hard. Uh, Black Hand is robbing a bank again, just so that he can draw out the Green Lantern so that he can steal more power. Because he realizes that if he steals enough power, then none of them can, can get in his way. So uh, the Green Lanterns try and stop him, but they, they're kind of getting defeated pretty easily. So they have to leave and regroup. Uh, Hal Jordan is, you know, trying to explain to Aresia that, you know, he's not really interested in anybody right now because he just got out of his, you know, the relationship with uh, Carol Ferris, aka Star Sapphire. But um, <laughs> their little talk is interrupted by a, a mountain lion, <laughs> and they have to kind of fend off the mountain lion. There's a lot of a lot of stuff happening in this issue, <laughs> and then we go back to Black Hand. Who has the the Angels? It's the Angels, right? California Angels Stadium. Yeah, Angels Stadium, uh, balancing on the head of a pin that he's created with his cosmic rod. And uh, the Green Lanterns come out again, and this time they just send Kilowog to kind of like try and smash him. And everything the Black Hand throws at Kilowog, he's able to deflect without having to use his ring, which would give Black Hand more powers. Uh, and then Black Hand's like, okay, I know what I'll do. Instead of just creating, making the pin disappear so that the stadium would fall and making everybody you know, have to use their ring power, he just makes a 10,000 ton weight on one side of the stadium to make a tip, which would force the Green Lanterns to make a weight to counterbalance it, but Kilowog is able to counterbalance it without using his ring, just by jumping up and down. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that, that doesn't work. Kilowog ends up uh, taking out Black Hand, and, uh, you know, they're all safe. And they find out from Black Hand where he had stranded Hal and Aresia uh, in, in the cave, and when all of the Green Lanterns rush up to the cave to, to save Hal and Aresia, they find them embraced in a kiss. That's it. So let's start with... <laughs> with, as, as Chad brought up, the most kind of in-your-face part of this issue. The, the whole, like, Green Lanterns just randomly beating up women on, on multiple occasions. <laughs> Like, what the, what the hell? Like, Ariska doesn't even look like she was freaking out that much. She, like, she got startled, and Hal just <laughs> punches her in the face. <laughs> uh, 
And did anyone notice Hal called her honey before he noticed she was a full-grown woman? Yeah, he yeah. said that a lot. That that makes me wonder if Hal slapped her to get her thinking straight or as a punishment for taking his jailbait away from him. <laughs> oh, probably the second one. <laughs> like, Kilowog, like... <laughs> There's so many different things that could have happened here, but he just... He, God damn! He he just like slaps her across the room. What the? And Salak is apparently all for it. But yeah. Well, I I guess the guy with four arms gets a lot of practice. Oh my God, it's <laughs> awful. And he has like like the panel after like 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 I feel this would be like in Green Lantern the 3D movie. This like her body would be flying at us off the screen. I look at Kilowog's face immediately after that. It's such like a creepy, like he's gonna kidnap people and <laughs> store them in his basement. No, uh, uh, but it's all good because he's a genetic scientist and he knew how much her body could withstand, so he didn't hit her that hard. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, I'm sure that'll hold up in court. <laughs> Yeah, doesn't he say later on, like, how he's, like, a real simple kind of guy? Like, oh, yeah, but, you know, he's a genetic scientist, though, so, you know. Yeah. He's a really simple genetic scientist. God. I, I, I don't know. What do, what do you think Engelhart thinks of women? What? <laughs> God. I think he hates Oprah Winfrey. Yeah. Wait, what was this reporter's name again? Uh, 20-something, or rather. It's not the first time we've seen her. No. God. And her cameraman, Rico. <laughs> Rico. She was around uh, in John's first appearance as a Green Lantern. Well, when he first came out publicly as the Green Lantern. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they went to, like, they had dinner on top of a floating platform or something, right? Yeah. Nice. I didn't realize, I didn't know that was her. Cool. So, so let's talk about the other thing. Aresia grows up in this issue. Yeah. What do you what do you think of Hal's excuse for not knowing? Like, oh my god, you know, in the sky without points of reference, you didn't look any different whatsoever. But yeah. now here in the dark with no points of reference, I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, is it me or, or does she just look bad as a woman? I think that's more Joe Stanton's fault. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Well, I mean, obviously, but I don't know, like, what do you call it? When he draws the other woman, um, yeah, Kamatui, she comes out fine. You know, maybe a little cartoonish, but but overall, you know, fine and attractive in a womanly quality. Aresia, it's like he was playing up the womanly aspects of her, but there's other aspects of her that just don't mesh well. So it, it almost, it's just... It comes out kind of ugly. Well, for some reason, her ears are the size of footballs. Yeah, yeah, that doesn't help. Well, not to mention, not to mention, her orange skin kind of makes her look like an older woman who's been out in the sun too long, and her skin's turned leathery. <laughs> and her hair is still really blonde. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. She's trying too hard to retain her youth. After her season on the Jersey Shore, Aresia <laughs> returns to Go City. And... <laughs> How does her planet? How's that all work again? Like, because of the size of her planet, she's she's really, like, she's only, like, four years old in terms of our years, but she's 800 in terms of theirs or something like that. Yeah, 
I thought it was like 173 or something like that, but like that was only brought about in the Jeff Johns run to kind of make it seem like Hal wasn't such a pervert. Really? Huh. Yeah, yeah. God, I don't think it helped. <laughs> um, I got, I got to, I got to ask, and I'm, I'm quoting something they said. Aresia says, "But there's light built into each ring that can't be removed by anyone." And Hal says, yep, the final safeguard the Guardians designed to protect their corpse from sudden death. Yeah. Does, is that still in canon? Because there's a lot of times where it seems like if the if the ring runs out, you're dead. And that there is no safeguard power in there. Or is it only in there when the writers want it to be in there? I don't think they use it anymore. Yeah, I, th- I think they did away with that. Did they just did they just not use it anymore? Or is there a reason they don't do it anymore? Well, after I, I don't think Kyle had that. Kyle didn't have that. Oh. Um, you know there would be plenty of times where he just completely run out of juice. So he didn't have the, he never had the safeguard either. So you could knock him out from behind if he didn't realize it, and he you know the ring wouldn't be able to do anything about it. Yeah, yeah. I mean the whole the rings like their auto protect ability used to be like super like like sophisticated and extensive and all that and i think today it's just kind of used as as well it'll keep like an aura around you if you're in space so you won't die kind of thing well also i think like if somebody was like shooting you with bullets or like a bow and arrow or some arrow and something like that like as long as it's not yellow it'll probably deflect that but nowadays, like, the Lanterns have so many other things to worry about. Yeah. The, like, who who the hell is shooting at a Green Lantern anymore? I kind of like that they don't have it. Just because, like, I mean, it's, it's it gets harder to create drama and tension for your characters when there's, like, 800 ways built into their rings that will save them from everything without them even knowing about it. Yeah, but by the same token, it was a nice feature to have because there there were are definite stories where people were able to tap into that reserve to like pull off like one last maneuver to save the day. Well, and just have just adjust how much power that like instead of saying, "Oh no, my ring's out of juice," but maybe I can tap into just say, "Oh man, my ring's down to 3%. Maybe I have to do this quick." You know, it, no, because it have the same effect. It it doesn't have the same effect because that reserve none of them are supposed to be able to access. So by accessing that, it's like showing that it's such a desperate situation, he's got enough willpower to overcome, like, the fail-safes of the ring. As opposed to, it's like, oh, down to 3%, better do this quick. You know, I, I like the fact that there's not really reserve anymore, because I, I, I didn't know, that's why I was going off of you guys, because it, it could make for interesting plot points later on, like, for instance... Uh, you guys, you know, we keep saying that we're looking forward to when, you know, Green Lantern can be their own guardian or whatever. Yeah. And they don't, you know, instead of, like, their ring runs out of juice, but somehow the ring itself allows them to focus their own willpower through the ring. You know? Right. Yeah. That that would be a cool plot point. Yeah, I like that. I just don't like the idea that there's this little nugget of power that's always in there protecting him from everything. It's almost like a Superman invulnerability. Yeah, like, you might as well say, oh my god, my ring ran out of power. I'll have to use this other ring I keep in my pocket. It's on my keychain, actually, but it's still good. 
Well, what you call it? Um, Kyle did do that thing where, like, with his ring, um, after Ion, he created it so that it always had, like, an, like a tiny emergency reserve so that, you know, he wouldn't be able to do anything big, but it would at least, like, act kind of like a failsafe to, you know, keep his aura up and everything like that. Yeah, but you know what? They said that, he said that, and then they never, ever used it. Yeah. Ever. Does he even still have that ring? Uh, well, sort no, of. I don't think so. I think he has that ring. It's just that they don't write it like that ring anymore. So his ring now is basically a typical GL ring. I think so. That sucks. Yeah. Yeah, but because like once once the the core came back, I guess like they they must have like rewired his ring because now it it has like the artificial intelligence and it can connect to all the other rings as far as communications and stuff like that. Well, it's like, because uh, he he was operating for the longest time without the central battery and without other functioning rings out there. So it's like it's kind of like if if all that exists is your personal computer, there's not going to be an internet because you need other computers and some kind of server or something to link them up. Right. So you know his ring was always capable of AI and all this stuff, but it could never do it because it was all by itself. Okay, this is turning into a Kyle discussion, but I have to ask, <laughs> how how did they explain the fact that Kyle has a working functioning ring after the whole destroying the central power battery thing took place? Like, in, in current continuity. His battery is formed from a chunk of the original power battery. So it must have, like... You know, I mean, I'm talking Jeff Johns explain it. Like it, it had a piece of ion in it, like a, like a, a comatose ion inside of it, or no? I think yeah. they were going off the idea that the battery itself, it well, even by today's standards, the battery is like a magnet for willpower energy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you like slap a chunk off of it, it's still going to be a magnet for willpower energy just on a much smaller scale. Okay. So he, like, it was a chunk, and then once he got a hold of it, like, he formed it into a battery. I remember that panel, when he had that little, who had it? Was it uh, Major Force that had it and dropped it, and he picked it up, and it formed into the battery we all know? Right. Yep. Now, all right, so what does everybody prefer? The black hand we have today, <laughs> or, or the black hand of yesteryear. Oh God, this was painful. This was—he was like your typical like like king of one-liners. You half expect to see the Adam West Batman burst in and like try and throw a giant hula hoop at him or something. Like he's—he's he's not only saying one-liners, like he robs the uh, the same bank in one. No, he robs the same bank in the same day, like, twice, and he makes off with the gigantic sack full of money that has the dollar sign on it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, he, it's... Like, he's aware of the fact that he's speaking in cliches. He's doing it on purpose. Yeah, like, that's his... (laughs) That's his thing. He's not even talking in one-liners. He's talking in, like, nothing but cliches. And it would be so... 
I mean, I definitely he's definitely still a credible threat and everything, but he should be so easy to just take care of. Because like, like it's like they're you've got the Green Lantern Corps right here, and they're shooting. They're either shooting directly at the thing that can absorb their energy, or they're shooting the ground next to him. <laughs> and he just sucks up the energy around. Like, there's a pat. Like, he runs out of the bank. They're like, everybody get him. They just make a giant circle. It's not even a concert. They're not even making a cage. They're just making a glowing circle on the ground around him. He's just like, oh, all right, I'll use that. All it takes is one single person to connect to, like, his stomach or something, and it's done. <laughs> you don't even have to... I'm not saying kill him. Just, like, chip at him with a big green walnut or something, and it would be over. <laughs> well, chip was trying. He was, look, he's shooting the hand that has the device in it. And Salik is shooting the ground. It's, it's, it's... Uh, I mean, like, I, I don't think any of those those methods would work. I think if you were going to get him at all, you'd have to use the ring to, like, pick up a marble column and throw it at him. And then maybe, like, while he's trying to deflect that with his energy, like, have somebody else, like, you know, get him in the legs or something like that, or knock him down or whatever. But no, I, like, that that's, that's all, you know, stupid and all. But, I mean, like, really, though, he creates a giant pin for a baseball stadium to balance on. Hmm. And his, his way of getting the Green Lanterns to act is by putting a 10,000-ton weight on one side of the stadium. Yeah. Like, just... Okay, I was like, oh man, I'm, I'm using up so much energy creating this weight. Well, why don't you just stop creating the giant pin? <laughs> well, not only that, the only thing that could have made that 10,000 pound weight better is if it said Acme over the top of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and what, what balances a 10,000 ton weight? Kilowog jumping up and down. <laughs> 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 oh god yeah yeah Kilog was essentially hanu in this issue wasn't he <laughs> yeah basically he flies around but that's it uh, App- applying his genetic scientist know-how to solve this problem okay i i have a question and it's not it has nothing to do with black hand stupidity but um i didn't read crisis until crisis on infinite earth until about a month ago um, and all the time I've heard people talking about it is always on CGS, and every almost every time they ever mentioned it, they say Hal Jordan isn't in it. So when I first read it, I kept that in mind, and I and there I never saw him. But when Hal's talking to Arisi in this issue, he mentions yes. a crisis. What crisis is, is he talking about? If he wasn't had, if he didn't have anything to do with Crisis on Infinite Earths? Yeah, no, I think he's I think he's talking about the crisis, but. He he didn't do anything. <laughs> like, but like, I I thought he mentioned like his own involvement with it. No, yeah, no, I think like it's like a writing mistake or something. Okay. It's like he wasn't even a Green Lantern when that happened. It was like, okay. I know there's that issue where I've seen the cover. I don't know if I have it, but guy is standing on a ledge with a bunch of other people and Hal's in his bomber jacket facing him. Some 50th issue or something, 50th anniversary or something, and it had yeah. a crisis banner over the top. I've never read that, but yeah, no, and I, <clears throat> I'm glad you brought it up too because I 
I remember I was reading this issue, and when he said that, I'm like, you weren't, you didn't do it. Shut up, Hal. <laughs> I talk to my comics like they're people. <laughs> now, um, there's a line where somebody says, well, Hand, it ain't over till it's over. And then somebody in the stands is like, hmm, this gives me an idea. And it says, and the consequences of that idea will shake the world in the months to come. But right now, yeah. the core is on hand. I, now, is that like like a reference to something that's going to happen in Green Lantern, or is that like a reference to the Yogi Berra quote? I assumed it was like a running subplot they had going. I have no idea who this is, though. But I was more interested by the fact that like, out of nowhere, Hal just starts reminiscing about all of his old girlfriends, and one of them is Guy Gardner's ex-fiancé that he stole from him. Yeah. Well, they <laughs> thought he was, like, I don't know, dead or something. Yeah. Yeah, that's awkward. <laughs> now, when it, when it comes to these kind of 80s comics, something that always bothers me is the fact that if it's not in a question mark, the sentences always end in an exclamation point. Yes, and, that's, and they do that actually to to avoid printing errors because it was, exactly yeah the whole like if we just put a period there's a chance it might get cut off so let's put an exclamation point so there'll always be something there. Yeah, I asked that question of a of a certain Green Lantern writer, and uh, that will become clear down the line to all you listeners. But uh, he he said basically the same thing. He said he hated doing it because he's kind of anal about proper usage, but he he explained it the same way. Just have to read your books as if everybody is super excited all the time, <laughs> even when it's extremely inappropriate. <laughs> Pass the mashed potatoes. <laughs> How's <was> your day? <laughs> uh, don't call me honey, Hal. Not unless you mean it. I, I like it when they do it, especially during uh, when they're playing exposition fairy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then he threw us down this tunnel. <laughs> Like, man, this guy knows how to tell a story. <laughs> yeah, so for all Hal's, you know, it's like, no, I'm not interested in being with anybody right now, and no, this is wrong. In the end, he's still making out with Aresia. Yeah, and everybody, because you got the, like, I assume nobody else knows that she's aged yet. <laughs> yeah. So that, that last panel is like, what the fuck? <laughs> Chip's eyes are priceless. Yeah. <laughs> I can't really blame Hal, though. She's suddenly aged. This chick eventually becomes a supermodel. And she's wearing... Look what she's wearing! Like, she even took off her little cape thing, so it's not covering her shoulders and everything up anymore. Yeah. And they're alone. Yeah, and it's dark. <laughs> and he's lonely. <laughs> There's still an angry tiger roaming around, though. That's <laughs> no, no, they they put a, a pin in his mouth or something. Oh yeah, that makes it better. That's fine. That's fine. Though. Uh, that that thing that register that whole moment right there registered to me like in the, like when you see a cartoon and someone's being taken up into the the monster's mouth and they put like a stick in his mouth. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what do you guys think of the art? I hate Joe it. Sta Joe Stanton in general, I guess. I hate it. <laughs> like, there's times when, when, like, Hal Jordan's face looks like it's, 
you're, what is that painting? There's a famous painting. There's like a bunch of melted clocks all over the place. Oh, Salvador yeah. Dali. Yeah, it, it it looks like his face has started to melt on yeah. one side or something. Um, I don't really have a problem with the art, except for the way that he draws grown-up Aresia. I, I like. I think he does a good job with with John Stewart and uh, Tony, whatever her name is. Yeah, I'm not that big on Staten, which kind of stinks because I think he drew a lot of Green Lantern. Yeah. But, like, it's, when I'm looking at his Kilowog, like, it almost looks like it's like a Kilowog action figure with lots of points of articulation. Because it's like, he has like, like a really big torso and then tiny little arms coming off, which go into like a really big arm piece that I mean, like, look at the, like, when he's jumping up and down to balance out the stadium. <laughs> it's, it's like you, it's like there's, you can see the segments where they assembled him almost. It's like, yeah, it's so weird. Yeah, yeah, that, that is definitely weird. Like, even on the cover, <laughs> I, I do like the cover, though. But you can see all that, like, on the cover, too. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's almost like he's a mech warrior or something like that. Somebody, somebody built the Kilowog Voltron. You hit him hard enough, a bunch of kids will, like, crawl out and run away. <laughs> what? What is he doing with kids that they can crawl out of him and run away? Vol- Voltron was piloted by children. Shut up. <laughs> well, and, no, what was he doing with children? He was kidnapping them and burying them in his basement. We established this earlier. <laughs> ah, fair um, enough. I do like the first page, though. I thought it was, like, a nice shot. Of like the with dealing with the lighting and the cave and all that. Yeah. Yeah. No. In general, I I, I don't really have a problem with the art. Uh, now, overall, as an issue, like if you handed this to somebody that had never read Green Lantern before, like how apt do you think they would be to be able to pick up on all the concepts? Not at all. <laughs> well, what do you mean by the concepts? Well, I mean, just, like, be able to follow along with the story. They'll be fine. I think so. The, sto- the story in this book, yes. The green- Get a good grasp of the Green Lantern core? Not at all. Yeah, that's fair enough, because, yeah, it, it really... It doesn't give you a good knowledge of what the Green Lantern core is, but it definitely tells you what they do. <laughs> They're a bunch of sexist aliens. Yeah. Bitch slap... <laughs> people every chance they get. <laughs> Gotta keep them women in line, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> How do they recharge? I don't know, but I think it's by bitch-slapping people. Preferably women. <laughs> Hal's lo- motto is apparently, well, she looked 21. <laughs> <laughs> no, officer, I swear. She told me that she subconsciously aged herself to an adult. <laughs> if I had a nickel for every time I've heard that one. God. But no, as a story, like, it doesn't even really matter that this isn't the beginning of the story. Like, they tell you enough that you, they catch you up perfectly, and they wrap up, <clears throat> they wrap, they even wrap it up well enough, I think, that, you know, you're curious to see where it goes, maybe, but... But you've yeah. got a story. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, if you just handed this issue to somebody, though, I don't think that they'd be intrigued enough to want more. I really don't. I- I think they'd be most most intrigued by like, like, 
I don't want to say the human aspect of it, but just by, like, like, the utterly bizarre... Like, like let's face it, the Halloresia thing is bizarre. And you, you kind of want to see where that goes. Yeah. And, like, are these people this, like, retarded and extreme all the time, or is it just with reporters? Like, you, you almost want to see, like, like an unrelated instance where they just interact in life just to see, like, all right, what what are these people doing? What are they all about? I could buy that. You know, I, I was kind of thrown off because this chick, uh, Tana, Tani, whatever her name is, um, the reporter, she, she opened, Chip goes to open the door, and her reaction to this obviously cartoon, like, stepped out of a cartoon chipmunk squirrel thing is to call it a beaver i would scream and run away (laughs) (laughs) like i i this woman is i don't know um for some reason i don't this is just my experience with comics have y'all ever read the uh the gambit story half no fury it like it's got a zombie story in it and all this no Uh, i don't think so there's there's some chick in there who's like obsessed with remy and like, like has cameras set up all over New Orleans for some reason. For some reason, this chick reminded me of an obsessed <laughs> ex-lover, like that character in the Gambit story I'm talking about. Because, yeah. like, because when when we first saw this character, she's getting the backstory of of John Stewart, and she thinks she's on a date, and gets oh, all upset yeah. at him. Hmm. So now it just seems like she's trying to get back at him. By exploiting the whole xenophobe type element, basically, it's an interesting spin on like the the Lois Lane character kind of the concept. Yeah, it's like me. Like, what if Lois Lane's relationship was with Superman was vindictive and bitter? Man. Um. Last thing before, like, this might be the last thing. I don't know. But what do you think about the whole, like, their whole plan and method for helping people is, let's make this this nondescript trail through the woods, and if you need our help, you find it, and you walk up to our front door, and you ring the bell. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense to me. I, I I don't really know what they were going for on that one. I like, yeah, I like how you just said it. it's nondescript trail through the woods, but the building itself has a giant Green Lantern symbol on it. Yeah, like, where, does it say <laughs> where their base is? Because I don't remember. In this issue, I don't think so. <laughs> Alright, so, so I've decided it's just in the middle of a forest somewhere. <laughs> Probably in the middle of Canada, unpopulated <laughs> sections. It's right next to Larflees' junkyard. Oh, that would be good. that would be great if that was under his pile, just this embassy thing. That would be awesome. Okay, I'm okay. Let's take a break. All right. In brightest day, in blackest night, no evil shall escape my sight. Let those who worship evil's might beware my power. Green Lantern's light. 
Hi, this is Phil Lamar, John Stewart on Justice League Unlimited, and you're listening to the Lantern Cast. Now let's uh, let's jump right in. All right, all right. So, so for the topic that we're going to be doing right now is, uh, despite the fact that most of the main characters of Green Lantern have existed for decades, none of them really have like that that arch nemesis, that one enemy that keeps coming back. You know, Batman has the Joker, Superman has Lex Luthor. And I mean, I mean the go-to is like, okay, Hal Jordan has Sinestro, but what about what about all the others? You know, why haven't... Well, for, for some reason, they have never gained that one main villain. So, so I thought, okay, you know what? Who, who would be, who should be each... each Green Lantern, each <clears throat> human Green Lantern's arch enemy. It could be. I, I left it kind of vague on purpose because I hope you guys would kind of take in, like, run with it. Because I, I didn't necessarily say what Green Lantern character. Could be any. Uh, you, you could pull from the entire DC universe if you really wanted to. The text, um, the text I got specifically <laughs> says episode, who should be each human Lantern's arch nemesis? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So, and actually, it's going to be interesting to see who, uh, who we each considered as the subject of that, like, because Human Lantern is kind of open. So, you know, let's let's go in order of, like, just, let's just hit the ones that that we know everybody has. All right, let's start with, say, Jon Stewart. Jim, <laughs> what, do you, what do you think? What do you think for Jon Stewart? Okay, um, for some of these, I came up with, like, like two possible, um, you know, possible candidates uh, for John Stewart. My, my possibilities are uh, one John Stewart, meaning that he's his own arch nemesis. He's not fighting the Daily Show, John Stewart. No, not not so much, um, <laughs> because like he has so many freaking personal battles and inner turmoil. Like really, like you know, this guy's worst enemy is himself. And then uh, another one I came up with for him was, and, and this they completely have not touched upon at all, but really, Star Sapphire should really be, like, up there on in terms of, you know, his arch nemesis, considering that Star Sapphire killed his wife. Hmm. But, uh... Um, Carol, Carol Ferris, or, or are you going with the whole core? Well, Carol Ferris. Okay. Yeah, um, and then the, the other one that I think is probably the most likely choice is fatality. Hmm. I considered Carol Ferris. I felt like like they would uh, I, f- I felt like their their um uh I want to say a word that I don't think exists, but I felt like their whole deal would kind of like they would get into a couple fights and a bunch of like monologue-ish screaming matches, but like as soon as something bigger came along, they would kind of make up and like agree to disagree and just not like each other. But main villain, arch nemesis, I don't know. What, what, do, you, what do you think, Chad? Who? Okay, my whole approach to this list was essentially not 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 as a okay. It's essentially what I want to see as mm. far as progressing the character. I kind of took it <laughs> like, what if? Each of the characters we're going to talk about, I'm going to talk about, had their own book. What would I want to see? And 
I put John Stewart's arch nemesis as the broad term evil because part of the reason I hate events now is because it takes away the simple stories and nowhere is that more evident than in Green Lantern because these are essentially space cops dealing with large universe threatening events rather than the stuff happening in and around their sectors. And I think with John Stewart's military background, as far as a human lantern goes, and like Jim was saying, all of his personal problems, a lot of that could be worked out as he's doing his sectorly duty, if you want to call it that, going up and confronting the various problems in his sector. Or if he's an honor, if he's an honor honor guard member, then he could handle situations cropping up all over the universe. I like that, especially like <clears throat> with the military background, you know, if you're a soldier, you're you're fighting a war, you're not fighting the individual. You know, it's it's like you're against a concept in general, so keeping his his villains general might keep in line with that. Yeah. Yeah. Um be before we move on. <laughs> Well, I didn't do mine either. <laughs> oh, I, I I didn't know if you had one because you you seem very wishy-washy. Oh no, I just wanted to get you guys first. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll say what I have to say <laughs> first anyway, because um, it, it's not going to impact that. Now, I, I texted Dan like I don't know a couple of weeks ago, just a thought that I had out of the blue that John has not really had any interaction with Carol Ferris, like since the first time that she was a Star Sapphire. Yeah, that's if they don't bring that up eventually it'll be a crime. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I but I, I I definitely like that that that's definitely something that should come up and you know, like really like how Superman and, you know, Flash were talking to Hal about the people that he hung out with. I mean like really like, you know, where's John Stewart? saying, you know, what the hell are you doing with her? Yeah, I'll, I'll, and if they do deal with it, I would really hate to see it be flippant. Like, you know, oh, you helped us in Blackest Night, you've changed a lot. Back then you were possessed, you know, something like that, so it's okay, I forgive you kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah. My pick was the reverse Flash, Eobard Thawne. For Jon Stewart? For Jon Stewart. That because does that surprise you, Jim? It surprises me. Yes, because I tried to think about the character of John Stewart, and when you get right down to it, whether you're talking about you know Mosaic era John or contemporary John, he's still a guy who who he thinks and behaves in, in accordance with with structure and a degree of order and and how things are made and how things are supported, whether you're talking literally with buildings or or metaphorically with larger concepts. And Fawn, his whole deal, especially if, if I'm right about what they're doing with Flashpoint, his whole deal is about, you know, he's manipulating time to kind of, to change and knock down how, how things, basically knock, out how things are set up to reshape them to make a different different structure structure of events structure of people's lives 
even on the smaller scale, that's what he's been. That's you, you read that one issue of Flash. I think it's issue nine, eight or nine, where it's just his backstory, and you see him just kind of. He keeps going back and revising history over and over and over again, and it has disastrous implications for everybody who's not him. Is he? He seems like the kind of guy that John would just get pissed off at, like. He would really irritate John's character. Plus, it has the whole... It, it has, like, a, it's a kind of a perversion on, like, the Green Lantern-Flash relationship. Uh, it, it certainly doesn't help that he's big and yellow, whether that that uh, weakness is void or not. But, uh... Yeah, I thought that would... I thought that would fit. That is awesome. Sorry, you, I, I, I had to, because you said Irobard Thorne... And I was like, when has he ever reacted with Green, interacted with Green Lantern? And then I remembered the very first issue of Sinestro Core War. Oh yeah, and, and and what you said, just like, oh, it, it could have something to do with it. It could not, for all I know. But he says, what makes a hero better is that the villains you face, Batman, the things you return from Superman, or the mistakes you've made, Wonder Woman. And like, and there's this whole banter between them but this is jeff johns writing irobar thorn interacting with a green lantern way back when and he's writing flashpoint i don't think that was eobar thorn wasn't no was that was the one? other that was uh zoom professor zoom it wasn't okay yeah, thorn wasn't I, wasn't back yet yeah um, oh i actually i th- i thought about <laughs> hunter zolomon but then i i thought like his, his whole deal is like he wants to make heroes be better heroes you know do whatever it takes to be that way and but i feel like that would work better with like mosaic era john where they really play with the concept of all right what is a superhero anyway like a lot more than they ever do now so if, if it were mosaic era john i would say hunter zolomon but i think eobard thawne and and his whole deal would be better for john right now mm. i that didn't work for him. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I'm I'm, very, I'm just confused by the whole two reverse flash concept thing and yeah. all that stuff. Well, basic yeah, basically like how Flash is a legacy character, his villains are legacy characters also. Okay. What do you call it? What I was gonna say was, I don't really know what John would do to uh, reverse Flash. You know, I mean, like he moves faster than light. And he can travel in time. So could John. Why not? <laughs> What's next? All right. Um, all right. Kyle Rayner. Kyle Rayner. Why not? I'll I have a feeling we might all have the same basic idea. I, well, probably. I think. <clears throat> I think there. I think this is kind of a gimme, but I feel like at least one of us could have chosen one of two others for this. But yeah, I want. I want with Major Force. This is the this is like the one cat like no one has ever done anything to Kyle as bad as what Major Force has done. Like this is the one guy who like every time he shows up, Kyle just loses his shit and just goes all out. Is he basically ready to kill him at a moment's notice? Like this is the guy who like this was Kyle's first major loss because he killed uh, Alex. And it, it was it. it it, it was, I've said this on the forum before, this was Kyle's, you know, Gwen Stacy moment. This was the time where him being Green Lantern 
got the woman he loved killed, and there was, despite the power, there was absolutely nothing he could do about it. And he's never really been able to 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 really make up for that. Like you can't make up for that, but he's never had any degree of closure to it. And any time I see Major Force pop up somewhere else in the DC universe, like he was in Superman, Batman once or twice, like I always think to myself, no, 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 that is that's Kyle Rayner's business. And like if there's another Lantern character near him, I'm like, why aren't you just immediately beating the crap out of this guy for what you know he did to Kyle? Yeah. That's that's not bad. Is that who you went with, Jim? No. Me what, neither. What'd you go with, Chad? Uh, I went with your first pick for John Stewart himself Ooh. because I haven't because uh, I didn't grow up uh, in the same you know timeline as you guys did. But uh, Chad's from an alternate reality. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> the timeline probably wasn't the best choice. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> my secret's out. Uh, it's really, okay. crisis integrated all together. So you're part. Uh, you're our island, Scott. <laughs> there's a reason DC hasn't told you exactly what Flashpoint is all about because I'm the one that caused it. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I think I haven't read the whole Kyle Rayner run, but it seems like every issue I've ever read with him as a main character or a secondary character, always focuses on the fact that he was the last Green Lantern. He's not sure if he deserves it, whether he was the only Green Lantern or when the Corps came back. And and even in this last issue of Green Lantern Corps, which, Dan, I'm fairly certain you haven't read, so I won't say anything, uh-huh. he, he, he still acts like that. He still acts like he's not worthy or other people don't think he's worthy or whatever. And it's like... This dude was the only Green Lantern for about 10 years. And you think with all the hell he's been through, he could overcome, you know, he could get past that that character point, and he still hasn't gotten past it. <laughs> and, uh, and it's a pain in the ass. I see what Chad's saying. I mean, that was, what Chad's saying is, like, was a major point of contention fans had with, with uh, the Ron Mars run on Green Lantern, because, you know, you have the first, like, year or two worth of issues of that. And, you know, that's perfectly fine. You know, comic time moves slower than regular time, so it makes sense. He would still be a rookie for that long. But Ron Mars was on that book for for how long? Was it almost a solid decade? And he wrote Kyle that way the entire time. And I'm sorry, this is the dude that hosted Ion twice, had hosted Parallax, Alex died and was cut up in his fridge. His mother died. Jade died in front of him. You know, he he should be past that, you know? But he's not, and it's a pain in the ass. I, I think, like, the instances that you're bringing up as far as, you know, he, que- he either questions it or whatever, I think that stuff is the, the poor storytelling. Like... Ron Mars, like, didn't always write him as a rookie. And eventually, you know, there was a story where it's like, you know what, I'm not a rookie anymore now. I, you know, I, I do deserve it. And they didn't really bring that up in the Winnick run too much. Like, it was, like, he, he was not really a rookie anymore. The problem was, in Justice League, they were still writing him as a rookie. And, and that, that was a, a big problem for fans. Um, and, 
you know, really? like, what? I know, like, a lot of people who were not satisfied with Kyle in his own book, but loved how he was in Justice League. Really? Yeah. I I thought just the opposite. But regardless, like, even now, like, he absolutely should not be doubting his confidence. And any time that that does happen, where it's like, you know, am I worthy? Do I even deserve the ring? That That is just really shitty storytelling. I mean, like, when a big tragedy happens, like, he should, yeah, like, stuff like what happened to his mom and Alex and all, like, that should phase him and affect him, and he yeah, realistically yeah. should never, ever really get over it. But, like, when you're talking about just, like, the regular day-to-day stuff, then, like, he should, like, he should be just as on top of his game as everybody else. Yeah, he's gone toe-to-toe with, like, you know, the universe about to dis- be destroyed parallax. You know, the, the amount of threats and, like, ap- absolutely enormous type cosmic threats that he's dealt with. You know, he's he's no slouch. He's... And not for nothing, but when he when he was hosted by Parallax, you saw this whole thing where he had to overcome his fear and punch through it. When you're doubting yourself, isn't that a form of fear? I mean, yeah. it's just... And like you said, Jim, with shitty storytelling, yeah, I blame the writers or whatever, but at the same time, these writers are the ones that are our windows to these characters. And because of the shitty storytelling, this is what people think of Kyle Rayner. This this is part of his character now, that he just doubts himself all the time. Well, I mean, when you look at it from... You know, like a, a career-wise perspective for Kyle Rayner, like he's been written by a bunch of char- bunch of people, and he's gone through a lot of changes, and he's gone on a bunch of adventures, and he's done a lot of stuff. And so, <laughs> you know, when you get somebody like, you know, from the Justice League who's got to write for you know seven or eight different characters, and maybe they're not up on their Kyle Rayner, then you know, they're going to write them however they want and not really, you know, like, it's up to the editors to be like, um, no, you know, he's he's not a rookie anymore. And they don't do that. You know, the editors don't do that. Or, you know, you, like, right now you have, what's his name on Green Lantern Corps? Tony Bedard? Yeah. I, I like, I don't know, like, he seems to think that he has a grasp on these characters, but... I mean, like, if you listen to our reviews of these issues, you know, we disagree. Um, and I think a lot of fans disagree. And, you know, like, okay, they could be the window into the characters, you know, lives, but if something that they're writing doesn't jive with everything that's been written before, then, you know, it sticks out like a sore thumb. And, you know, you can you can kind of say it's like, well, yeah, I mean, up until this point, yeah, he's he hasn't been a rookie. He's been fine and he's been, you know, perfectly cool with his legacy. But now all of a sudden there's this writer who apparently never read Green Lantern past issue 57, you know, and doesn't realize that and is writing him however the way he wants. You know, I, that you choke that up to shitty storytelling. I get the impression from interviews I've read with Bedard that that he really does care about these characters, but it just... His, you, can, you can almost feel the love he has for some of this stuff, but 
it might just be the come down to the difference between being a writer and being a fan, you know? Mm. Alright, anyway, let's move on. Let's uh, move on. Well, I, I didn't go. <laughs> oh, you didn't? Yeah, you did. No. Really? Oh. Who would I pick? <laughs> um, you picked Chad's pick. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, go, go. Who's, okay. who's Kyle's? <laughs> uh, for Kyle, like, I was thinking, like, maybe Effigy at first, mm-hmm. uh, because... You know, he was, he's kind of like Kyle if Kyle decided not to become a hero. You know, he's like the flip side of that coin, given these these powers, but he has no sense of the responsibility, so he just does whatever he wants. But that's not really, you know, that's not really an arch nemesis, because Effigy, like, you know, he doesn't do things specifically to be evil, he's just, you know, doing whatever he wants. And he doesn't, it's not like they have, like, a specific uh, animosity towards each other so much. And, I mean, as far as other characters that really could have been his his arch nemesis, I think, like, you know, uh, Sonar and uh, Dr. Polaris. Uh, not so much Dr. Polaris, but definitely Sonar was, uh, you know, he really would have been a good candidate if they had built him up more and done more with that. But I think the... The character that really had the best potential, and I don't think that this potential was anywhere nearly capitalized enough on, but Kyle's arch nemesis really should have been Nero. See, I knew it. I knew, like, when I said before, like, the whole, like, in my in my mind, like, it was either going to be, like, Major Force, Nero, or Effigy. Mm-hmm. I'm like, ah, oh, you hit on both of them. Yeah, they re- they really seem to want to push both of those characters yeah. as like Kyle's Sinestro for yeah. for their time. Well, I, and I don't necessarily think that Effigy was being pushed as a Sinestro, but more like a villain that Kyle could relate to. Mm. Yeah, so Effigy, like, yeah, I don't think that he was being played up as like an arch nemesis, but for Nero, like. Even there, like, I think they really, like, should have done a much better job to give Nero a personality. You know, like, he's, he fits in terms of, like, okay, he's got a yellow ring, but that didn't matter so much because Kyle didn't have a yellow weakness. But he was able to come up with, like, you know, insane creations, because he was insane, as, you know, as Kyle could come up with, like, tons and tons of creations because he was an artist. Um, this was this was a big deal at the time because there was no other... There weren't any other power rings in general, let alone yellow ones. Yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely think that, like, Nero was untapped potential. Um, and he really, he really could have been made into much more than he was. Nice. All right, let's do... Guy Gardner. Oh, uh, I need to go first on this one. Oh, okay, go for it. Go for it. <clears throat> okay, Guy Gardner's arch nemesis would oh, be you... oh, would be Howard Chaikin. Ah, oh, I just realized you're going to do it. Oh man, nobody has soiled Guy Gardner's reputation or brought more pain to Guy Gardner fans than Howard Chaikin. I, I I picked a creator for one of mine too. Oh, God. oh man! God. God, is that your real answer? 
too, or is that? Um, yeah. yeah, well, that that is my real answer, but I, like, oh, wow. really, <laughs> there's only like two other names that I could even come up with that would be potential candidates, and one of you guys might have come up with them. Yeah, yeah, that's a probably. hard. That's a hard one, Chad. What do you think? Wait, who'd you pick? I, my my initial reaction was Hal Jordan, but I think that's been done to death. Although I left it on my list because I think if the right if the right story angle came at it, then Hal Jordan could definitely be one of his arch nemesis, nemesis, whatever. Um, and the other the other suggestion, I couldn't think of anybody specifically, so I just kind of put a concept down of someone really bad, like Joker level evil. He just wrote some bad guy. <laughs> but no, someone like really crazy, like the the kind of person where everyone looks at them and goes, you know, you really should just kill this person and be done with it. Because yeah, I God. think Jack, Guy Gardner's got the potential to be like, you know, always pushed to the brink of I'm going to kill this son of a bitch, but doesn't do it. Yeah, Guy Gardner, like I struggled with this one, like. I, I was glad that Jim needed to delay by a day because I needed to think about this more. <laughs> like, cause, cause you think you, your mind goes to okay, well maybe that bounty hunter dude, what's his face? Bullfunga. Yeah, yeah, him. But like, he's more comic relief than anything, and he's yeah. not an arch nemesis. And right. and you think about all the. Uh, yeah, like the guy's one of those characters where it makes you kind of think, oh, maybe this is why they don't have arch nemesis, nemesi. <laughs> but um, so I tried to apply this. I tried to think about this the same way I thought about John, and I, I'm really not happy with this answer. But I had to settle on Lobo. Oh. Because I, I'm thinking in terms of like, okay, Guy Gardner. The thing I like about Guy Gardner is that I think he's the most complicated. He's, like, the most complex character in the Green Lantern stable of characters. And he's, he's got the classic stereotype of being, like, just this brash, rude asshole that just happens to have phenomenal cosmic power. And, like, even today, like, when they when they put on the surface, like, all of, like, the stuff that's inside of him and everything, there are still people who write him off as, like, oh, Guy Gardner, that's that jerk from the 80s. Like... I feel like Lobo as a character, like, is, he's like the embody- the embodiment and exaggeration of all the bad things people associate with Guy Gardner. <clears throat> Plus, like, Guy Gardner, like, he's, especially these days, is really gung-ho about his role as a space cop, and Lobo's kind of on the other end of that. He's a space mercenary. That'd be a cool one-shot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Prestige no, format. I-, I thought about that. Because, you know, he basically used Lobo to get Sinestro's ring, you know, for the beginning of his own series. That kicked off his own series. Yeah. But what it comes right down to, like, for me, I think he associates with Lobo too much to be arch nemesis with him. Yeah. That's why I, like, like it's a, that's why I wasn't really happy with the answer, because it's like, it's like, well, on paper... It kind of makes sense, but once you get right down to it and think about, well, how would they interact? And it's like if they if it's the kind of thing where like if if guy wasn't on the job and Lobo wasn't doing anything, they would probably just hang out, share a beer, and talk about space sports or something. Yeah, yeah. Like I I feel like if they got together to fight, like there'd be a battle, 
and then like afterwards it'd be like, okay, that's enough of that fight. Let's go get a beer. Yeah. I mean, and they fought a bunch of times before, but I mean, maybe guys kind of falls in line with what Chad said about John and how it's it's more like evil in general, so that he can just kind of throw all of himself at it. Well, there's something there's some things about Emerald Warriors I don't like. I mean, I I'd like it for the most part, but I think what they're doing with him over there is is pretty much right on for the character. There is one other character that would make like a pretty good, you know, arch nemesis for for guy and that's uh was it I think his brother Mace. I don't yeah. know anything about him so I can't comment on that. Was he cuz I I remember him having a costume. I can't remember if he was a bad guy. Yeah. Yeah, he was a bad guy. I think it was his brother or his half brother and like he went up against him a couple of times. Is 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 Mace to Guy Gardner what uh, Cobalt Blue was to Flash? I don't remember Cobalt Blue. I don't think I've ever read Cobalt. I know of Cobalt Blue. I never read a story with him in it. Cobalt Blue is supposedly Barry Allen's twin brother. Oh. But bad guy. Yeah, I don't think that they were twins. I think. I'm just talking about in concept. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember. I don't remember well enough. That's why it wasn't my my first choice. But I think. That is definitely somebody you could, you know, touch upon for Guy. Well, if they if they would bring back Guy's father, a la, you know, Booster Gold, that would be, like, that would be awesome, because you know he still got issues with that from um, pre-Sinestro War, when Mogo was infected and was showing people images and stuff. Mm. All right, so everybody won it this time, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. All right, now... Now that they're out of the way, I feel like this is where our lists are going to start to diverge mm-hmm. in interesting ways. Chad, why don't you... Who, who should we do? Who's next, Chad? Who, who do you want to do? Well, we haven't done Hal Jordan yet. I was wondering if anybody else would do that. <laughs> I, I picked Hal Jordan's arch nemesis because I think I came up with an interesting idea. Me too. <laughs> Whether or not he's this character is dead or not, I don't know. And even if he is, there's a, it's a comic book. There are a billion different ways to bring him back. And one of them, I'm sure, would make sense in a story somehow. But I think Hal Jordan's arch nemesis should be his brother, Jack Jordan. Hmm. I really think that... I mean, there are a lot of different stories where they get along or they don't get along. But I really think the basic concept that I was, that I was left with from Secret Origin was the fact that Jack is really bitter towards Hal. And I think that could be evolved into a story where Jack somehow, in some way, became something that Hal has to deal with for a long time. And not only that, like not for nothing, but Dan, one of the things you want to keep seeing with Hal Jordan is when he interacts with his family. Yeah. His, his more Earth-centric life. And if you have Jack Jordan as his arch-nemesis and his other brother in there somehow and, you know, his wife and kids and all this stuff, that's well, that, that could be a way to get it. So, I mean, I didn't flesh out the idea too well or, or do much research into the character of Jack Jordan, but from base, just from basically what I know about the character, which is mostly the stuff I saw in Secret Origin... I think he would work very well. 
if the right care if the right creator got a hold of it. Nice. I, I don't I don't think that I wouldn't enjoy that too much because like I like Hal Jordan having like a stable of villains and then also like a family life in in that maybe he does have family problems also. Well, I mean he could be like it wouldn't have to necessarily bring him into the costume world. Like this could be like the major ha- antagonist of Hal Jordan's civilian life too. I mean, yeah, something like that would work for me. But yeah, like giving him a costume that that would I don't know. Make him Airwave three or something. <laughs> <laughs> Jim, did you pick a Hal or? Uh, yeah. Um, Is it his father, his dead father, in a Megazord or something? No. No, I, I mean, you know, I, I pick Sinestro, but... Oh, you cop out. Well, you know, I mean, come on, it's like, you know, even if you if you disregard all of, like, you know, the, the Jeff Johns run, like, you know, if you had asked at any point before the Jeff Johns run, okay, who's Hal Jordan's, you know, arch nemesis? Well, hands down, Sinestro. Superpowers taught us that. But, uh, I think if they were going to, like, try and develop a new arch-nemesis for Hal, then I think the best choice would have been for Amon Sur. I thought about that until I, I remembered he died. Yeah. I was go- I was going to pick him, but... You could also yeah. almost say they wanted him to be a Kyle Rayner arch-enemy, too. Yeah, I think they tried for that, but... I think he works better as a... Uh... As a Hal, a Hal arch nemesis. Yeah, because I mean Kyle doesn't have any ties whatsoever to the backstory. Yeah, like Hal does. For me, like I didn't even, when I came up with his idea for this whole thing, I didn't even consider Hal Jordan. Like I thought of him as the like the the one we didn't have to do. But then I'm like, well, you know, I started thinking about uh, the relationship between Hal Jordan and Sinestro and. How, you know, back in the day, yeah, it was definitely, it definitely fit, you know, this, if, even if only because, okay, here's the villain, he's the mustache-twirling, tie-you-to-the-train-tracks villain, and he's very blatantly the evil version of Green Lantern, so, yeah, there you go, it's perfect. But, like, lately, even if you just take into account the Johns era, like, I feel like, like, when I think about how Sinestro probably thinks of Hal Jordan, like, I get the feeling from Sinestro, like, like, he's almost out, the character's almost outgrown that. It's grown past that. Like, like, I feel like Sinestro thinks of Hal Jordan as, like, this young, headstrong, brash kid, almost, that he, you know, he has, he certainly has a degree of respect for, but it's kind of, it's kind of waiting for Hal to, to work all this out of his system and grow up and, like, then maybe it like I could almost see them becoming friends if the situation was different. I think I, I think Sinestro sees a lot of himself in Hal. Yeah, and I'm not saying like they would be like Ab and Sir close, but I I feel like the characters moved past being just Hal's arch nemesis to the point that I don't know if I can really consider him Hal's arch nemesis right now. Things could change, and I don't think Hal would be buddy buddy with a guy who started a war or two. But but uh, so I started thinking about okay. Who is, who's the villain that, that would affect Hal and unlike anyone else and 
would turn him Hal upside down. How or how I can't talk. Who who could turn Hal's life upside down? Who could you know, who could elicit the kind of reaction from Hal that no one else could? And the obvious hit me in the face. Parallax. Oh Wait man, I, th- I thought I thought you were gonna go with the Invisible Destroyer. Uh, almost. He was a close <laughs> second. <laughs> Him and Hal's dead dead father piloting the Megazord. <laughs> but, but I mean, think about it. like Parallax influence got Hal to like helped Hal destroy the Green Lantern Corps, and then destroyed the universe, which you know is fairly significant. Yeah, and like every time Parallax shows up, like look at. Look at all the trauma he puts Hal through. Like whether he gets e- better at con- dealing with it or controlling it or not. I mean, hell, look at look at current plot lines or well, I'll say pre-War of the Green Lantern pro- plot lines because I haven't read anything from this month. Like the whole reason that Hal is keeping the Justice League out of this is because he's afraid of what will happen. If an entity, if Parallax or an entity like Parallax gets too close to his friends, you know, you want to know what Hal Jordan's afraid of. He's afraid of what these things that did this horrible shit to him could do to his friends. And like what, like, Parallax, I just, I feel like Parallax can, I mean, and these two, like Parallax, the living fear entity, like they even kind of not so subtly hinted at the idea that, you know what, when all said and done, Parallax is also kind of afraid of Hal Jordan. It's like those two have like a really tangled, complex relationship that that I personally like. I don't really see with Hal and Sinestro, so I pick Parallax. I like it. I like it. Although I wonder if that would have you know uh, the same impact you know down the line because. With every interaction that he has with Parallax, like Parallax has less and less effect over him. He's like taunting it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know. I think that could actually feed this and make it worse. Because like the more you, if your whole deal is <clears throat> is being living fear, and here's this guy who you can't really scare that much anymore, that's gonna piss you off and make you try harder. I mean, how look look at like like we just found out uh, fairly recently that that Parallax touches a major nerve with Hal when he goes after one of Hal's friends, and that's something we hadn't seen done in that direct a way before. So you know, who knows what could come down the line? Yeah, that's actually a very good point. Have him influence his friends. Yeah, and hell, Hal Hal does have family that. He's trying to keep distant like the Justice League, so who knows? And Parallax knows everything about... Hell, Parallax went to his brother's apartment one time. Not not for nothing, but, I mean, I know this is probably the obvious choice and everyone wants to see this, but I would really like to see the Justice League try and get involved and Parallax possess Batman. Yeah. <laughs> All of awesome. his cons... Like, get Van Skyver to draw it so that... There would be constructs leaking off of him all the time, and every construct is a dead Robin. <laughs> oh god! Or, or or a construct of the Joker. Oh god! Just killing Barbara Gordon over and over again. <laughs> um, god. All right, Jim. Who else did you have on your list? 
Um, who else did you pick one? Who did you uh, do? Yeah, well, the only other character that I had was Alan. Alright, you can do Alan. I had him too. Yep, me too. Going for, for Earthbound Green Lanterns. Um, and for him, it's either, you know, it's a toss up between uh, the Harlequin character or Solomon Grundy. And I would lean towards Solomon Grundy more. Didn't he marry the Harlequin? Yeah, yeah, that I think was his wife. Yeah. I felt like, well, actually, the, the Harlequin, that would be really interesting if, like, you kept everything about their history together and, like, like, he thinks their marriage is fine, but she's, like, secretly poisoning him every night or something. <laughs> and every time he goes into the other room, she's like, soon I'll have my revenge. Yeah. But, yeah, I feel, I feel like Grundy was the obvious choice. Like, I thought about him, and they really try to push that. Although I don't know how much of that's because he's, he's the big, bad, golden age-ish villain that everybody knows. You know? Well, also the fact that since he was reborn in a swamp, Alan's ring had no effect over him because of all the chlorophyll. Yeah. I don't know. I wanted I wanted to go somewhere different because. Of course you did. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> oh, of course I did. Like with Alan Scott, like one of the one of the big things people love about the DC universe is that it has legacy characters. Like that's that's even where all, that's why we have Green Lantern as we know it because of legacy characters and. With Alan Scott being a Golden Age character, I thought, you know what? It would be a good parallel to have, like, like a legacy villain. So I started thinking about, you know, okay, who are some of, like, the JSA's bad guys? Or who were their bad guys back in the day that Alan has history with? So I came up with with uh, Icicle 2, the second generation Icicle. This is, like, the, the Golden Age Icicle was basically... He was basically Captain Cold. He was a guy that wore, like, a winter suit and had an ice gun. But his son is basically Iceman from the X-Men, only evil and killy. Is his son the one that showed up in the Justice League uh, um, episode of Smallville? Yeah, with the JSA, yeah. Yeah. A version of him, yeah. Plus, I like. I kind of like the uh, the complementary imagery of how Alan's power represents itself as fire and his as ice, and you could play off of that. Uh, the only other one I thought might work was like Brainwave Junior, because if 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 you're gonna attack a Green Lantern, do it mentally, because that's kind of that's kind of important for them. But <laughs> I didn't think of Brainwave Junior until he sat down to do this, so I'm I'm sticking with Icicle. Okay, mine for Alan. I guess I'm using the term arch nemesis more of a generic way as like main antagonist. Okay. I guess. So for Alan Scott, I pick the Guardians of the Universe. Interesting. Because if you think about it, I mean John John has been married, but how John, Kyle, and Guy don't have wives and don't have children. Alan is married with two kids who are both superheroes. And I don't really think family values has anything to do with um, what the Guardians want to accomplish in the universe. And, I mean, a lot of a lot of the people within the core, you know, disagree with the Guardians. And but if you look at it like um, oh, what was their names? 
the the two the husband and wife in the Star Sapphire storyline and the Amatu Pri. Yeah. Yeah. They left the core willingly because of their strong disagreement with what was happening to it. And add to that mentality the fact that the Guardians of the Universe are the reason the Starheart exists in the first place. They're the one they expelled magic. They put it all together and said, "Let's get rid of this shit." And 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 Alan is the one that wields the power. You know, I haven't read any of the recent stuff, so I don't know what it, what it's all going on with him. I don't care to read the recent stuff, but he is the host of the magic that the Guardians purposely expelled from their little area and their their sphere of influence. So if you want to take it as just Alan himself going up against them from time to time, or if you want to go a parallax kind of possession way where the Starheart possesses Alan and wants to go up against the Guardians, whatever you want to do, you know, I think I think the Guardians would work as Alan Scott's nemesis. It's interesting, because when you think about it, every time Alan struggles with the Starheart, he's essentially cleaning up the Guardians' mess. <laughs> which, which is like it's it's not like it's not a connect like we all know that's where the Starheart came from, but it's not usually a connection that gets brought up a lot. It's fine. I actually considered the Guardians as like a candidate for Hal Jordan just because of like he's so anti-establishment so much of the time. Like I thought, oh, Guardians, of course. But no, I like that for Alan Scott, especially especially since like you've got two sides here that represent such starkly different interpretations of the Green Lantern concept. It's it's inter- a very interesting choice. I like that. That that makes me think of two other possibilities for Alan. Who? Well, the Starheart itself. Eh. Who or, likes that? <laughs> or uh, James... Uh... James, our producer. No, <laughs> James, what's his face right in JLA right now? James Frank- James Franco from Spider Man? No, not that one. James Robinson. Yeah, that that's the dude. James Robinson is the the arch nemesis I pick for Jade. Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle. Kyle, he's in your brain. I'm trim and I'm drunk. <laughs> but uh moving right into it, Chad, you picked Jade, huh? Yeah. You said you said Earth Lanterns. You yep. didn't say Earth Green Lanterns, you said Earth <laughs> Lanterns. Or human lanterns. Jade was one, or could still be considered one, however you want to look at her power. I mean, we consider we consider Alan a lantern, so... I, I picked Jade just because I, I wanted to make sure that she was in there, but I really... I couldn't pick one. I mean... Oh, I thought you really picked James Robinson. <laughs> oh, I did. I did. That's oh. what I have written down. <laughs> but I picked James Robinson just because I couldn't think of anything else. Because I still have a bad taste in my mouth from when I read that issue where Kyle comes home and she's in the shower with some dude. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of, I, I mean, I love Jade up until the point where I read that issue. I was like, what a bitch. Her nemesis <laughs> is loyalty. No. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Fidelity. God. <laughs> Jim, did you, did you think of Jade? Did you pick one for her? Uh, no, I did not, actually. I got one. I like this one. This, I think this is my favorite pick for the list, because I thought, like, at, at first I was kind of in the same boat as I was with Guy Gardner, like, because Jade, she's never really 
I don't think she's ever had her own villain, period. Like, it's not like, like, there's this one well of villains where all the Earth Lanterns pull from, like, like, you know, Hal and John and Kyle and Guy always do, but Jade's always just kind of hanging out with other heroes or other, or a team and just ha- kind of fights whoever everybody else fights. So I, I thought about her whole deal and, and to me, the one that makes most sense is Crib. Explain. See, Jade's, like, Jade's backstory, like, okay, she grew up in an orphanage, or a series of them. She didn't, like, where not, where she was almost molested as a child. She never knew her father or brother until much later in life. And when she finally does get her family back, look at all the shit that, <laughs> that happens with them. I, I, I'm, I'm not any more current than you are, Chad, but I do believe, I believe they're still in, like, kind of the, the messed up clusterfuck of, like, okay, well, if I, if I'm in the same room as my brother who, you know, I haven't seen since I wasn't dead anymore, yeah, the universe will explode. Yeah. <laughs> so she's got, she's got family issues stemming back to her childhood. Especially, like, being separated from them. And Crib's whole deal is that she steals children from their families. And she just... She, it's Like, if Jade ever, like, ran across Crib or found out about Crib, like, I could see this being, like, like her own personal mission. Like, like, if she's gonna be off of Earth. Like, have her just, like, go around and try and find like, all of Crib's, like, planets or moons or whatever where she stores kids and try and bring them back to their families, if it's even possible to tell where they're from. You know, and, like, hell, you could say, like, by now, some of Crib's children, Crib's children and Air Bunnies, could be older by now, and and they could hate Jade for trying to do, as they perceive it, what exactly what Jade hates Crib for doing. You know, they, they see Crib as their mother. So why are you going to come along and try and, and rip us away from our mom? Even though that's what Crib did to get them in the first place. Yeah, they are all alien children, so they could grow at different rates, and you could have story plots there. And of course, like, you would have, like, epic battles with Crib every now and then, too. It'll be great. Well, Chad, I, I really like your James Robinson choice. <laughs> oh, what, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with mine? Come on. Oh, that's I don't know. It, it seems kind of convoluted to me. Oh, is he, what's convoluted about it? The well, pers- also, also, what you have to keep in mind is that all of Crib's children were killed by the Black Lanterns. All of no, them? N- no, because remember in that issue of Green Lantern Corps, Dan, I'm pretty sure you've already read this. It, you've read the end of the whole. Um, Oh yeah, she has like a, a a back full of new babies. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, she's what? been she's been collecting again. Yeah. It's been how long since Blackest Night? You think she can go? She's like Kilowog. She kidnaps kids, puts them in her basement. You can't stop with just one. No. They're they're Oreos. It's, it's, or Do we Pringles. have any more of these to talk about? I don't know. Yep. Did, you have, did you have more on your list? I had two more. Oh, nice. Do you have two more? I do not. Uh, William Hand and Carol Ferris. Oh, interesting. I like it. <laughs> I, did, I did not specify green. Exactly. Nice. Uh, William Hand, currently Indigo Lantern of Sector 2814. 
Um, now, I don't know if it would work because he's an Indigo Lantern, but I just thought of William Hand in general instead of the fact that he's an Indigo. Um, I went with Magic slash the Spectre. Because hmm. the Spectre's the one that took his hand away. <laughs> yeah, he should be better about that. <laughs> I mean, the fact that he, you know, he's obsessed with death and he can touch stuff and make it die now, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I guess he, in a twisted way, could be happy about that. But I guess you could even say in a way that Indigo might have a problem with magic in general. That's why I put magic as a slash. I mean, I, I, I didn't think about that too in depth, so I can't really elaborate on it. But something in my mind clicked about the Indigo having a problem with magic. I think so, William Hand's arch nemesis should be that bank he kept robbing in Green Lantern Corps 206. <laughs> Black Hand's arch nemesis is language. <laughs> I was I was just about to say because I was I'm looking at my bookshelf. I was about to say the quotationary. <laughs> <laughs> William Hand versus Air Bunnies. A whole a squadron of Air Bunnies. Uh, who else? Oh, you had Carol. Yeah, Carol. I, I, I forgot you had said human because I also put down Dexter, but forget oh, he, that. He can be on any list. It's fine. <laughs> um, Carol Ferris, I put her own ego. Hmm. Because, because this woman has been thrust into the position of being the head of, of, of Ferris Aircraft and now has been basically chosen and thrust into the position of being queen of the Xamarons. And... It's almost like she didn't evolve to this this stage of her life. It's almost like she was either handpicked and she's just dealing with it or or whatever is going on with her. But I don't think that she's fully adapted in her own personality to deal with what she, the responsibility that she has. I think I can hear Jim laughing about you putting Carol Ferris thrust and position in the same sentence. <laughs> I don't know if that really works for you guys, but that's that's all I could really think about for her. Yeah, that works. I, I in my head, I really wanted to find a way to make her Hal's arch nemesis. Like I feel like they would have to take her character over a couple hurdles before that would really, especially if they keep her as like the queen of the Star Sapphires. <laughs> I could see I could see a, a a funny issue or something where she shows up bitching at him because he started dating some. Some young, you know, trailer trash alien supermodel, and she she shows up in her star sapphire outfit. She's like, "Well, I've been working out, bitch. Look, check out what you missed." Uh, Thrust. <laughs> God. Okay, so that was fun. It was fun. Yeah. Um. Now for this, I'm I'm bringing back a segment that hasn't been around for quite a while. And the segment is called, If the Universe Wiped You From Existence, I Wouldn't Mind One Bit. In fact, I'd probably be happy about it. Now, the reason that I'm bringing this back, you know, right now, uh, with Chad here also, is because the thing that, that I have to, you know, direct my anger at is the Toys R Us preview figure of Green Lantern. It's the the early bird figure for the movie. <laughs> yeah. Now, this thing this thing is, you know, just uh just come out 
and it's you know been sent to you know people all over. Chad got it, and he'll talk about it in a minute. Hmm. But uh, but seriously, like like this this is my rant. When this thing originally went on sale, it was I don't know twenty some odd dollars, and you know plus shipping and handling. So twenty eight fourteen. No, not originally. Oh, okay. Originally, it was less. It was like maybe twenty four dollars or something like that. Twenty two dollars, fairly reasonable. You know, too it was too expensive, but fairly you know okay. So I pre ordered it, and you know, look forward to getting my my sneak peek figure with a die cast movie style Green Lantern ring, which looked awesome. And you know, I waited to see them take the money out of the account, and it didn't happen. And then all of a sudden, I find out by reading online that they had canceled all the orders. And, you know, nobody knew why. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, sometime after that, it was resolicited. And now Toys R Us, like, they didn't call, they didn't send an email or a message or anything to let me know that they had canceled the orders. And they didn't send any messages letting you know that it was available once again to reorder. And so at that point, I didn't reorder. And the people that had reordered, like sometime after that, those orders were canceled. And they resolicited again. And by that time, the price was now $28.14. Now, okay, I understand the significance of the, the price. But that's still quite a bit more than the original solicited price. So basically, like, you had me forking my money over for the original price, and you said, you know what, we could probably bleed these people for another, you know, few dollars, and you you resolicit it at the higher price, now it's $28.14, plus uh, shipping and handling, which is like $5, and then, because there's Toys R Us is like everywhere, they charge your sales tax on that also, so... This, you know, figure which was originally costing like, you know, 20 some odd dollars is now up to like 36, 37 dollars, you know, something ridiculous for one figure in a ring. And now Mattel has been known for selling figures on their website, Maddie Collector, uh, and the figures go for like 20 dollars plus shipping and handling. Now, this Green Lantern figure, though, is a tiny little four-inch figure with barely any articulation, and the ring, which admittedly is very awesome, but you're selling both of these things for $38. I don't care about the figure. The ring is the thing that I really care about, and for that much money, I can go to DCBS and get the DC Direct prop version. So... Like, seriously, like, the business practices behind Toys R Us for this figure just left a horrendously bad taste in my mouth. And so, if the universe wiped you from existence, I wouldn't mind one bit. In fact, I'd probably be pretty happy about it. Awesome. <laughs> okay. Now, I agree. Uh-oh. <laughs> I, I agree. Because this, I'm looking at my phone right now, and I have a account with Chase or whatever, so... I can text and get my history. When all is said and done, Toys R Us charged me $35.85. I guess that's tax, shipping, and the cost of the, the figure. Mm -hmm. 
this thing is about the size, maybe a little bigger, of the Infinite Heroes figures. Figure is not worth it. It doesn't have much articulation. It's not as detailed as as it may you may think it to be. And uh, you know, it's the the packaging is kind of weird. That little window through the Green Lantern symbol, but the ring is awesome. It's not worth thirty five bucks. <laughs> and 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 Jim, you you're gonna tell him what you what you asked me about the ring. Why should you get this or something else? Yeah, yeah, this or the the prop. It. When all is said and done, thirty-five bucks. How much is a prop? Through, well, it's like D- it's it's forty-five dollars normally, but through DCBS, it's probably going to be around thirty or so. Yeah, the ring is is metal, the the band itself, and the green part is like a hard resin. Huh. I love it. I'm wearing it right now. <laughs> yeah. See, I, uh, I I did not expect. Do you think it's just because that was the early, you know, rare figure or whatever they were calling it, like? Do we think that they're gonna, like, like they're not gonna do metal for all the rings that are in with figures, are they? They're gonna there will be some from DC, from uh, Mattel at Toys R Us that will have a diecast ring. Well, like the... if I get if I get my my um, Rotlop fan figure, the ring that comes with that, like I shouldn't expect that to be metal, should I? Well, I, I don't know that that one actually comes with a figure because that's a Movie Masters. Oh. Okay. But. Um, no, they're actually going to be putting out like a set of like special figures from only that you can only get at Toys R Us, and they'll have the the diecast ring also. But this, like, the reason the price was so much higher for this is because they only made two thousand eight hundred and fourteen of them. I I agree with your anger about it. I don't think it should have cost as much as it did, and I also the fact that they treated their customers the way they did. And canceling the orders and not telling anybody. It, it, what's crazy is they got all the information for pre-orders. They gauged the interest. They canceled it, then raised the price because they saw how many people wanted it. Yeah, and also the the other thing that I w- did want to mention was uh, if you go to blogofoa.com, they have a, a very awesome video review of the figure. So that I'll check that, that out. Kind of made it. A little bit better, you know, not having it, but uh, it's a great website name too, by the way. Yeah, it's a really cool blog. Definitely recommend that. Okay, um, some quick things before we wrap up for tonight. Uh, as of June, the monthly books we're covering is going to go up by two. The uh, we got word that the Flashpoint tie-ins to to uh, with Green Lantern are going to be. We're getting Flashpoint, Abin Sir, the Green Lantern, and Flashpoint, Hal Jordan. Uh, both of these are going to be three-issue miniseries. Uh, they're both written by Adam Schlegman, uh, art by Felipe, uh, Felipe, I don't know how to say his last name, Massafera, and Ben Oliver on you know the two series, respectively. And... That's that's the full extent of our flashpoint. What we're gonna be doing? We're not gonna we're not gonna pull black as night with this. I'm never doing that ever again. Oh no no no. Uh, I'm probably I'm gonna I'm gonna try to read the main miniseries. And I might check out the Kid Flash one because I love that character. But 
that'll, that'll be it. But we're definitely going to be going to be hitting up these two books because I mean the Abinster one is obviously what if he never died in the crash and continued being Green Lantern to this day, and the Hal Jordan one is you know what would what would this character's life be like if he never became anything more than a regular person. So two very interesting Elseworlds concepts that you know we're gonna get to see played with with some wiggle room and. I don't know, does it, has anybody ever read Adam Schlegman's work before? No, not that I know of. You, Chad? <laughs> no, not that I know of. Yeah, I'm, I think it'll be interesting. It's interesting that he's writing both of these, but we'll see. We'll have to see if that comes up at all in the material. Um, something cool that just got announced like yesterday or something that I thought was, I thought was interesting. It could end up being significant. Is that <clears throat> uh, the DC Nation? concept is being moved to television like right now if you go to the back of any dc comic book they have that one page it's a text page written by the editors to the fans where they they either make announcements or they coyly tease things or some or sometimes it's just kind of like an editorial article but they're uh looking at uh somebody linked me to bleedingcool.com and uh, it's going to be a new TV series showcasing a variety of DC Comics characters as well as showing previews of DC movies, comic book, co- comic book content, and it's going to be created by Cartoon Network, Warner Brothers, and DC Entertainment. So, you know, I'm, I'm thinking it'll be in like a, like a few minute long news burst kind of thing, but whatever they do with it, you know, this is something Marvel has always exceeded at that DC just kind of drops the ball with constantly where Marvel, I guess mostly due to Joe Casada, just kind of, he's really good at getting in your face and using other media to get stuff out there to the public. Like when the whole Spider-Man on masking civil war happened, every, like every newspaper, news website, radio show, everything, that was everywhere. Everybody knew about Civil War. Everybody was reacting to Spider-Man unmasking. And DC has never capitalized on, on their events or their twists like that. And this could be the start of something good if they, if they actually play it out and utilize it. And one more, one more quick thing. Um, also, Green Lantern merchandise for the movie is starting to make its way into the stores. Uh, the other day, uh, a few weeks ago actually, but it's a while. It's been a while since I've been on the show. Um, I I got a Green Lantern movie beach towel from Walmart for like ten bucks. Nice. So, and I've also started to see like Thor movie toys. So I I I, I bet Green Lantern ones are not that far behind. So just FYI, if you see some, you might start seeing some Green Lantern stuff in your stores. And my last thing, did everybody see the the thread posted by uh, Brian, how do you say it, Brian Scheuer? He goes by B. Scheuer on our forum. Oh, oh, yeah. He was actually in Japan during the recent, the oh. recent uh, cataclysm, I'll call it now. <clears throat> I just wanted to read from his thread here. He says, hey all, I just returned today from a 10-day, this was on uh, March 13th. I just returned today from a 10-day trip in Japan. The earthquake, the earthquake was surreal, and with transportation shut down, I had to walk for about 25 kilometers over the course of several hours. Not speaking any Japanese, I was in an information blackout, sort of just, and I, uh, and just sort of kept following crowds. 
Luckily, I had a few episodes to catch up on while walking. It allowed me to sort of take my mind off all that's around me and stay calm during a crisis as I walked and walked throughout Tokyo. And first of all, I think it's really cool that we could help him through that in 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 our own kind of stupid way. But yeah. but like, it's just like like I. I was really because I didn't think I knew anybody that was over there, especially when I, like he was there during the whole thing. Like he walked through Tokyo. He's like it's, it's just it's, it's surreal. Like I still think that whole thing is just so surreal. Like, like if you rattle off a list of all the things that happened over the course of those few days, like you would think you were talking about like a season of Twenty Four or something. And it's like. It's, it's just crazy, and if anybody listening wants to, you can text Red Cross to nine zero nine nine nine, and it'll it'll uh, make a donation of ten dollars to the relief effort. I don't know if that's if there's another step to it or what, but you know if you want if you if you're touched at all by what's going on in Japan right now and you want to help out, that's a fast, easy way to do it. The only thing I'll add is that um, I'm very thankful that <laughs> any listeners that, that we had over there were able to make it out safely. Yeah. I agree. Okay. Okay. Yeah. If you want to email us, you can do so at lanterncast at gmail.com or you can reach any of us individually at our names at lanterncast.com. Got Jim, Dan, Chad, James, or Jason. Um, you can go to our website, lanterncast.com. There's links to our galleries, uh, the forum, the Facebook page, uh, our Twitter. Uh, it's all right there. We have a voicemail number, which is 206-202-1159. Uh, we've been getting to those a little bit better than we have in the past, and we'll, uh, we'll get to more in the future. And uh, you can also find us on iTunes. Just do a search for LanternCast and uh, leave us a review if you would be so inclined. That's it? Yeah. Okay. Yes, total. So long. Good night. Peace out. from something that's but you've never watched bugs bunny where he's in like the mad scientist house and he keeps defeating like the big monster made of hair yeah um wallace the hell is that that's listening you don't see the glowy <laughs> what whenever he's doing the the haircut on uh elmer fudd or whatever is that popular? Whatever. Screw it. Let's start recording.
Yeah. <laughs> okay. James, you have to put that as the bonus credits, because I have no idea what Chad was just trying to say. But what you call it? Yeah, I saw mine, and I'm like, well, it looks beautiful. And I definitely see the resemblance to me. You know, that's without a doubt. It's just like, it's a much slimmer, idealized version of me. And then I'm like, it's like, man, yeah, Jason's really came out perfect. And then I realized, it's like, oh, yeah. It's because Jason looks like a fucking superhero to begin with. Yeah. <laughs> Write it down. Shave say it a bunch of, of a cat. Say, say uh, a bunch sh- of random words. So, yeah, see, he wants us to be quiet. Talk a lot. Mess him Orange. up. Orange. Orange <laughs> Spectre trailer. John Deere. Exploded. Existence. Space. Ugly. Bleep. Hate you. Batman. (laughs) Oh, God. Sheep. Cloning barn. Scissors. (laughs) Cloning barn? Yes. That's That's where they clone the sheep. Next, Black Manta cuts off Aquaman's penis. Rexacorcophalopatorius. <laughs> Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. How did I say Rexacorcophalopatorius, but you mispronounced Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious? <laughs> I don't know. 